EM Board Bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs pod. See, I didn't say podcast, sorry, I said pod. Where board studying is now more enjoyable. I'm Iltafat Hussein, I'm joined by Dr. Blake Briggs. What's up? For each 10-minute episode, we do high-yield born bomb knowledge. You know, we like to say, come for the STEM, stay for the content. Hey, sign up on our website, emboardbombs.com, for handouts and also to subscribe to our newsletter. You'll see some really good board review material there. Hey, Briggs, you ready for this next topic? Yes, sir, I am. All right, awesome. Let's jump right into it. This is actually one of my favorite favorite topics. We're going to start off oh, with this. That makes one of us. <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, uh, there's some good chemistry happening here. Oh, All boy. Right. A 47-year-old male presents after returning home from a trip to Orlando, Florida. He was at Universal Studios, uh, which was revived by Harry Potter World. And <laughs> he left his insulin at home and instead prescribed himself uh, Butterbeer's uh, BID. Uh, this was in liquid form. Uh, they're absolutely <laughs> delish. <laughs> Very delish. He wrote Escape from Gringotts. Again, amazing ride. But shortly after his third ride, his friends noticed his skin and facial complexion looked much worse than one of the goblins. Uh, no, there's not really... You know, Harry Potter isn't dominated by goblins uh, to the person who wrote the stem. <laughs> Uh, what are you and talking about? Was called. I mean, they're goblins. There are goblins you know, that run the Gringotts Bank. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know, but it's you know, I felt like you could have maybe mentioned you know the. Do you really do you know the name of the goblin that was the Gringotts Bank guy that opened the vault for Harry Potter? Yeah, it was the guy he met the first time. Hold on, his name was uh, Great Pulk. Yeah, he says okay. Anyway, all right. An ambulance was called. In route, the patient's friend tweeted hashtag Hogwarts Express. Hashtag ambulance. <laughs> Hashtag OMG. The patient arrived tachycardic with poor cap refill. He was lethargic and unable to provide any history and was disoriented. Which of the following is true regarding this patient? A. DKA has a higher mortality than HHS. B. Thromboembolic events are the most common cause of death in HHS. C. Cerebral edema is managed with prompt diuretics and steroids. D. Mental status changes are correlated with changes in serum osmolarity in HHS. The correct answer here is D. Mental status changes are correlated with changes in serum osmolarity in HHS. All right, Brace, let's take it from here. All right. So this is a fun little topic here about DK and HHS. And, you know, it's really funny, I think, that in med school, this was so important. And I think if you asked any med student, they could correctly tell you the, the main differences and what you would see between HHS and DKA. And it's funny, for some reason, when you start residency and beyond, no one really cares anymore. It's like everything's DKA. <laughs> and then they go to the hospitalist and that's it. It's really funny. I mean, whenever, whenever you ever heard a resident mention, I think he has HHS, not DKA. I know. There's been a change in how this is approached, I would say. And I think the people have realized how much more serious HHS is than DKA. Um, so I've definitely seen in a heightened uh, alert to HHS now that I, you're right. I didn't see when I was in med school. Yeah, it's really kind of interesting, actually. Um, so let's talk about the two things. So we've got DKA and HHS. Let's quickly kind of read through everything here. This little uh, sweet little morsel here, and the topic today, really, goes uh, to Mountaineer Doc, also known as uh, Dr. Jimmy Scheidler, 
So when we're talking about the issue between the two, remember DK is going to be a disease of basically no insulin. More common in type 1s, but you can definitely have it in type 2 diabetics who don't have any more insulin anymore because that eventually will happen. The blood glucose is going to be greater than 250. There is moderate ketonuria, obviously ketonemia. We know this. And then they're going to have, you know, an arterial pH of like less than 7.3 and a bicarb of less than 15. You don't have to memorize those numbers. You probably already know them if you're a practicing EM doc or any med student would know that. HHS is more of a disease of insulin resistance. These are diabetic patients, usually type 2 diabetes. And the big thing is, and we'll hit this several times today, their hallmark presentation is ultramental status. They're going to have severely elevated glucose levels, like undetectable readings, greater than 600. And they're going to basically have no ketonuria or ketonemia, minimal to no. And they're going to have a serum osmolality greater than 320. And that's the one we talk about that's correlated with changes in mental status. That was the correct answer here. And they often have a normal pH or kind of a baseline, maybe slightly acidotic pH, and their bicarb is usually normal. Uh, or near normal. Let me summarize that for the boards. Do it. And how, because there's a lot of overlap in clinical practice with DKA and HHS, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. But for board purposes, that bicarb less than 15, and you should really be thinking DKA. The other key, I think, distinguishing part here is the blood sugar. Um, they're usually not going to present you with someone with a blood sugar greater than 600 and then in, in trend towards DKA. They're probably trying to hint you towards HHS. Um, so those are kind of the two things um, that you should look at. They're going to be hinting towards one versus the other. Um, for example, you know, aggressive volume resuscitation versus um, not necessarily having to be as aggressive. But continue. Absolutely. Thank you. So the causes of both, and I want to give a shout out to uh, one of our faculty at our place, Dr. David Mazniri, a long-term listener and a mentor uh, for myself. The legend. The legend. And, and myself. And myself. And a yours too. A former office well. yeah. mate of mine. There we go. Former office mate of mine. <laughs> I forgot. He moved he offices. He me. All right. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a bonus. I know. You have a huge office. <laughs> no, right. We need to turn that into a studio, <laughs> by the way. So David Mazniri, DO, thank you for this mnemonic. Let's talk about the mnemonic of causes of DK and HHS. This is an amazing mnemonic. I use it literally daily if I see these patients. The five I's, causes of DK and HHS, I mean the letter I. So the five I's, number one, is going to be just low insulin. So I for insulin, either low or absent insulin. Either they're not taking their medication or the doses is just not adjusted correctly if they're just in the hospital. So that is one cause. Cause number two, insemination. So pregnancy in females can induce DK due to that stress level or HHS. Infection, which infection is the most common cause of DK and HHS overall. I for infarction, so this is going to be either stroke or heart attacks, which we can obviously imagine thromboembolic events occurring in these people that are high risk. And then I for initiation, which means that this is the first time presentation of these people, and that's classically, you know, as we know in children with DKA. So let's review that one more time. The five I's for causes of DK and HHS. Low or absent insulin, insemination, infection, infarction, and initiation. The most common cause, as we said here, of DK and HHS is infection. 30 to 50% of all DK and HHS cases are due to some type of underlying infection. That's almost half, or can be half of them. So of those, UTI and pneumonia are going to be the most common. So consider, you know, EKG, chest x-ray, urine studies as well for these people. Let's delve in a little more detail the differences between DK and HHS. DK, you're going to see often hyponatremia. Remember, that's often that pseudo-hyponatremia due to just the amazing amount of glucose floating around the blood. They're going to have ketonemia, as you already know, and ketonuria, and then hyperkalemia due to the uh, acidemia and the hyperglycemia that's happening. 
This develops rapidly, as we learn in medical school, and we see in our patients. DK patients usually present with less than a day or two of um, ketone onset. HHS, let's go into a little more detail about this, uh, because I think this is the one we forget about after med school, as Dr. Hussain was saying earlier. We don't talk about it as much. These are the hyperglycemic patients with dehydration, and then they're going to have the classic ultramental status or some type of neurological defect. Amazingly, these are going to be nursing home residents. This is a classic presentation. It's going to be an older person for HHS and potentially a younger person for type 1 diabetes. This is what the boards will always go for, a young male or a female with DKA and then the older patient with HHS. And they're going to have similar causes as DKA, as we talked about earlier, infection being the number one risk. This develops, unlike DKA, which is in a few hours to days, HHS occurs days to weeks. Uh, you know, Again, emphasizing the fact that it's not so much the development of ketones, really, they have minimal to no ketones. It's the fluid deficits. So there's no ketoacidosis in HHS. And if you're going to get, of course, the same kind of laboratory findings, um, you're going to have hyperkalemia, you're going to have hypomagnesemia, pseudohyponatremia. These people are much more fluid deficit. So I was shocked when I learned this stat, Dr. Hussein. They are greater than 100 mils per kg deficit. That is insane. That's the truth. Look, I, I got looked at <laughs> weird when I put in that eighth liter uh, God, seriously, <laughs> fluid though. bolus. Yeah. On a patient I had that was massively volume down uh, recently, but that's what they needed. Uh, they, you are correct. They are un and unfortunately, this leads them to be very under-resuscitated. Absolutely. Um, and that is why understanding that this is primarily, number one, a volume issue, um, it, which is key in that recognition aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, and the big thing is here, I mean, these people need more fluid volume than the sepsis patients do in some regards. Um, these people, oh, without a doubt. Without yeah, a doubt. without a doubt. I mean, <laughs> think about it. If you're 70 kilos, first of all, how many patients do you see that are actually 70 kilos? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that. Yeah, 70 kilo <laughs> patients. <laughs> yeah, 70 kilo patients. That means they're like, whatever, doing that math, 100 mils per kilo. That's what, they're like seven liters down. I mean, hey. is that right? I mean... <laughs> You can, yes. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I had to do the math twice because I was. No, one, it's all good. Yeah. You, you, okay. You're thinking on your head. You're podcasting. Ooh, I know. I podcasting, podcasting. <laughs> do it for the pod. So another big uh, board bomb to mention here is the thromboembolic events. They are much more common at HHS. They are not the most common cause of death but they are much more common in HHS than DKA. And in general, HHS has a much higher mortality than DKA. And that's, that is another board bomb. So two in a row. Thromboembolic events, much more common in HHS. And then the second board bomb, there is a much higher mortality in HHS compared to DKA. And, it, you know, the next part that you're going to discuss here with serum osmolarity, this is a part that many people don't learn about, but would be ripe for board bomb picking, which is why... Uh, this was selected as one of the answer choices. Yeah, and this was the correct answer choice, too. So the mental status changes, they have been shown to be directly correlated with serum osmolarity, a test that we rarely ever get. Um, but these patients, if you see them come in altered, their sugars are high, and they have no ketoacidosis, you have to immediately think that this patient could have HHS, especially with the history of you know diabetes or insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome. And so you should be ordering a serum osmolality and uh, basically correlating your fluid resuscitation with that value. So let's talk about the treatment overview here. I want to rush through this, and I mean that on purpose because we know this, but we can't really cover DK and HHS without covering fluid resuscitation, and it's algorithmic, and you can look up all the—when I was a med student, I remember the internal medicine residents I was shadowing on my IM month had these, like, long booklets of, like, pages-long arrows for, like, what they were— <laughs> What they would do with DKA patients. The now, red book. Yeah. Or is it the green book it's now? Red. It's red. It's purple now? It's or red. Is it... 
You know, it was green recently. But anyways. I think it's red still. Whatever. It's some color. Some color. But the point is, is that when I got to the ED, it seems a lot more simplified. (laughs) And then these med students on my shift will be like, well, don't you do this? I'm like, oh, they do that upstairs. Anyway, so... (laughs) So thank you to our IM colleagues for the work they do on the floor for our, in ICU. So let's talk about this really fast. So fluids, like I said, we need to give high fluids to these people. Um, you know, obviously clinically assess if they can't take that fluid volume, like ESRD patients or heart failure patients, but they're going to need high fluid volume regardless. They are intravascularly depleted. So fluids, often with three liters first and then maintenance fluids, you're going to check electrolytes at that time, especially the potassium. And then if the potassium checks out, you're going to go into regular insulin infusion, meaning the potassium is going to be usually greater than 4.5 to 5. That means you don't have to pause your insulin. You can go ahead and give that infusion. You're going to check glucose every one to two hours, capillary glucose checks, and then when you reach about 250 mg per DL for glucose level, you're going to switch your fluids to D5 or D10%, something like that, D5 or D10. And then, this is the part everyone forgets, you're going to drop your regular insulin IV by halving it. Instead of the 0.1 units per kilo, you're going to drop it to 0.05 units per kilo. I can't tell you how many times I have not seen that happen in the ED. Um, people f- always switch the fluids maybe to sugar-containing fluids, but we don't drop that insulin IV infusion. Hypoglycemia is the most common complication of DK and HHS in the ED. Dropping this 0.1 to 0.05 insulin infusion is a really important step here. And then of course, toward the end here, you can debate switching to sub-Q or IM if that patient's been in the ED for a prolonged time and they have mild DK or HHS. So let's finish out here with complications of both. So complications of DK, probably the most feared complication that every ED doc is scared of, especially in pediatrics, is gonna be cerebral edema. This happens in less than 1% of all pediatric DK cases. It's almost exclusively found in kids, by the way. In children, this is the board-relevant stuff that you need to be concerned about. There's up to a 90% mortality with cerebral edema in DK in kids. There's a huge debate on what causes it, and we're not going to go into that. You won't be tested on that. But if it does occur, mannitol is what you should be giving. Again, whether or not that's actually effective or not remains to be debated. But diuretics and steroids, which was one of the answer choices, that's definitely not been shown to help. So mannitol would be the go-to answer. In HHS... The most common cause of complication will be hypokalemia, which is similar to DK. And remember that overall, the most common complication in the hospital course is going to be hypoglycemia. Again, emphasizing the fact that these people are on usually high-dose insulin infusions, and they are at high risk if we're not repeatedly checking glucoses. Briggs, you're telling me the correct answer is not giving just one liter bolus on that HHS patient that comes in. Yeah, um, it's just like asymptomatic hyperglycemia. We just give them a bolus and um, have them follow up with their... Um, give them bolus. Yeah. It's PO. It's a PO, PO you know, fluids, hybrid. actually. Uh, definitely reference our LR versus oh, yeah. normal saline uh, board bomb as well. Um, and why giving this person you know massive amounts of uh, normal saline is uh, suboptimal. But uh, listen to our board bomb related to that to find out why. Oh, ooh, Spoilers. Hey, that's why uh, Dr. Hussein and I belong to the House of Ringers. House of Ringers lactate. <laughs> We're sworn enemies of Saintly. Sworn enemies, yeah. We've got a whole... Um, coat, of arms, our, coat of arms. Coat of arms. Coat of arms. <laughs> I don't know what you guys call this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, you guys? <laughs> I'm Indian, man. I don't know what that is. <laughs> the feudal system? Wasn't a thing, really. All right. Uh, no, trust me. Hey, we don't play that of the Brits. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into that today. We have, Briti- we have proud British listeners. 
So another board bomb has been delivered. Remember to sign up on our website, yamboardbombs.com, for future episodes, new content, and updates. It's really key because you can basically throw us your email address and we will give you updates whenever a new podcast is delivered. Another thing that we would ask is you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Um, It's pretty easy to do. Just hit the subscribe button in the podcast app. Remember, we've got a new Twitter handle. It's emboardbombs. That's twitter.com slash emboardbombs or just add emboardbombs where you can find us. If you drop us an Apple review, uh, we would appreciate it. And in particular, we've been getting a lot of our topics from the reviews people have been dropping there. So we do check them. Hey, guess what? Guess what we're doing next week? What are we doing next week? We're going to do steroids and septic shock. Thanks to Gamer1234321234321. That's literally his name. So That's literally the name. That's not even a joke. No, it's not a joke. <laughs> but he gave us a nice you know request so i just want to give a shout out to him it's for the people for the people for the people do it for the pod give them what they want we'll see you next time thanks again all right